This is Amy Cuddy, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is TED speaker and best-selling author Amy Cuddy. Amy is a social psychologist that rose to fame after her TED talk, Your Body Language May Shape Who You Are, became a worldwide sensation with over 62 million views and growing. She wrote the book Presence, which became a New York Times bestseller and was a professor at Harvard Business School. We talk about her mentor, body language, and overcoming uncertainty during this podcast episode. Amy, welcome to Five Questions. Thank you for having me, Dan. What role did your mentor Susan Fisk play in helping shape your career? I just wouldn't be doing any of the things that I'm doing if not for Susan. She took me on because my undergraduate advisor wrote to her and said, I, I've got this student who's really a hard worker. And, you know, I didn't have a fancy pedigree. I had gone to a state school. I was from farm country. I'm sure she gets emails all the time from people saying, I have this student. And she said, okay, you know, she's a leader in the field of social psychology, but she's also one of the foremost experts on the psychology of stereotyping and prejudice and and sexism. And, you know, she was really the best person I could have possibly worked with. She really felt strongly that her role as an academic was not just as a researcher and teacher, but very much as a mentor. I think the most powerful thing or one of the most powerful things in the world is when people don't have to help you, but they choose to anyways. That's right. My parents, when I was growing up, they're like, oh, you're special, you're special. But it isn't until like, for instance, my literary agent had said, you know, I want to work with you when he didn't have to work with me. Yeah. That felt incredibly great. Your TED Talk has at this point, tens of millions of views. You focus on research on body language and psychology. We've entered this kind of new world where around half of people, mostly knowledge workers are working remote, at least sometimes. How does our body language shape how people perceive us when we're connecting and working remotely? And is this different than in person? I think a lot of it is the same. You certainly, you know, you can't be like walking around taking up space on a stage as easily, but certainly you're still wanting to convey a combination of confidence and interest, right? You're confident, not overconfident. And you want to be there. You want to avoid body language that's too alpha. That's a turnoff. And you also want to show interest. And and the interesting thing is, I think that second piece is where people are really dropping the ball. People are not showing engagement. They kind of feel like they're a student in a classroom of 500 people and the teacher won't notice if they're not paying attention. And I got to say, from teaching big lectures, the teacher notices. On these Zoom calls, a lot of times people are so distracted and you can see them being distracted. Distracted. They're not invisible. It, you just, I think you nailed it though. For interviewing, yeah. for working, collaborating, like pretend you are in person and how would you behave pretend and do that? Person. That's such a good piece of advice. You know, mm-hmm. there was a whole study by Harvard and the University of Chicago that found negotiators who are in person and shake your hand are more likely to be trusted and, and yes. win those negotiations because they're in person and can look into their eyes. And there's a certain level of energy that, that is conveyed that you can't fully get remotely. You can't, but but knowing that that's already a deficit or a bias, you need to work not less hard, but harder to overcome it. This episode is sponsored by Workplace from Meta. People being people, we can't help but make our work more personal and more human. Whether that's bringing something from our personal life into our work life, like quirky mugs or family photos, or maybe little acts of kindness to colleagues. Whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. Their easy to use features make work feel more 
familiar as well as help everyone work together in new ways. Visit workplace.com slash human to discover more. Workplace from Meta, make your place of work a great place to work. We've all gone through our various struggles over the past uh, two years. So can you talk a little bit about what you went through over the past two years? Because you, like me, like in terms of the, at least the speaking circuit, very different than it was, uh, you yeah. know, before COVID. Yeah. So Aside from career, just overall, like what what did you go through and how did you overcome some of those struggles? I'm going to talk career first because that that was where I was hit the hardest, I think. You know, in-person speaking just dry, was gone. It came back a bit this fall and now who knows. That was hard. I love doing that. So it's not just that it was a huge financial hit. I, I love doing that. It gives me energy. I feel very much energized by being around all those people, talking to them afterwards. Definitely gives me a sense of purpose. So it was hard to hold on to that, you know, it's up and down. It's, it's, it's back and forth. It's, it's, it's hope, despair, hope, despair. It's very tough to manage your expectations right now. And I think I'm not alone in that. Yeah. And that perfectly segues us into something that you've been writing about. You just wrote an article on the Washington Post. And, you know, I think one of the things that we do as I guess, thought leaders or people who are public figures is we try and like stay relevant and, and try and piece together what's going on in the world with our own unique takes based on our backgrounds and research and everything that we do. What is pandemic flux syndrome? Because I haven't heard that before. And how do we get through it? Pandemic flux syndrome, which is my own term, it describes uh, how people are coping. Like I would say in the last six months, with the constant sort of whiplash of back and forth. Oh, we're re-emerging, we're not re-emerging, re-emerging, not re-emerging. That is, I think, taking even a greater toll. If, if it had been linear, or you know, just like we're, we're slowly reopening, that would have been fine, but, but it was that people would get their expectations up and then they'd be dashed and they'd be back home again. And that kind of uncertainty is very, unsettling for most humans. Humans like certainty. They want to have a clearly demarcated fresh start. We're like, this is the end of the war here. It's armistice day. And you're not getting that now. We're not going to get that. There's not going to be a hard and clear cut end of this. We feel powerless and we lack control. We, we've lost power and control over a lot of aspects of our lives. And when we feel powerless, it activates what's called the behavioral inhibition system which basically makes us see the world as a potentially threatening place. Our focus is not on thriving, but on surviving. We see other people as predators, not as allies. We see challenges, not as opportunities, but as threats. We have a scarcity mindset. You know, we better get what we can get now because there's not enough for all of us. We become pessimistic and we don't act because we don't feel that we can change things. So we get frustrated, but we don't do the right things to try to change our situation or improve our situation. And so a lot of us are suffering from that and our surge capacities are just depleted. Our nervous system needs time to rebuild them and it hasn't really had a break. We haven't had a break for that to happen. So all of that together is that pandemic flux syndrome. It's that roller coaster that we're on right now. I think that's a great analysis. It makes me reflect. Basically, I've done some research over the past few years about people feeling stuck. Uh -huh. So if we think about what it meant to feel stuck in, in yeah. general in 2020, it was people stuck in their jobs, hoping they didn't get laid off or furloughed, you know, yeah. willing to not get a promotion, not get a bonus, maybe take a pay cut. 
So it wasn't from a career standpoint feeling, feeling stuck from a career standpoint, meaning like too afraid to move because you're just happy to have the job you have to be able to feed yourself and your family. Whereas in 2021, which is fascinating is, you know, over 20 million people quit their jobs. So compare and contrast 2020 to 2021, like incredible economy, perhaps arguably the best economy in, in my lifetime, right? With 11 million unfilled jobs in America and compared to last year, which was a very deep recession. But this year, people feel just as stuck. They're stuck in their career because there is too many options, because they're still kind of, uh, like you were saying, trying to process everything that's happened over the past year. Regardless of the opportunities, you can still be stuck. I think that was something that that I saw over the past two years. And what's your best piece of career advice? You have to stay open to to the opportunities that come your way that you don't know are coming your way. If you don't feel like you are doing exactly what you want to be doing, you better keep yourself open. You might have a conversation with somebody that you expect to just be um, chit chat that that ends up piquing your interest and leading to an opportunity that you had never considered before. My best advice is stay open, remain open to opportunities that you you haven't thought of yet, and you may first hear them and it doesn't seem like something you want to do. But the people who have the, the I think the most fulfilling careers are those who took a lot of turns and mostly because they met people who suggested something to them or presented an opportunity to them. Just because you chose a path, that doesn't mean you have to stay on that path forever. There are lots of little offshoots that might be better for you. So stay open. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Amy. To follow her journey, you can read Presence and find her on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, where she shares her family, appearances, and travels. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash Dan and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm.